And welcome to episode two of the Riverbed Technical Podcast. We're the only podcast with a focus on network and application performance and visibility. I'm Brandon Carroll, and I'm joined by my pals, Phil Gervasi and Vince Burke. And today we're talking about the 80-20 rule for SaaS and infrastructure as a service. Ah, yes, yes. This is something, Vince, that you've been talking about uh, lately. You want to share what this is and why it's top of mind for you? Uh, yeah, well, Brandon, thanks. Um, the the I always hate having to find 80-20 rules in things, but this is something that, uh, you know, I feel like we keep on stumbling into, or at least I keep on stumbling into, I get questions about this all the time, right? Um, and it applies in a number of different ways. So I'm going to, I'm going to, try to explain to you what I mean by the by the uh, the the 80-20 rule of SAS is really what I what I normally call it is that you know we all we all picked up and rushed to the cloud which was fantastic right it's just uh, our office applications um, you know uh, email um, uh, text editing then a number of addition you know uh, uh, things like Salesforce um, they're kind of like they're the no-brainers. Everybody uses them. Um, they're sort of the, the applications that, that were drawing 90% of the traffic on your network. And, um, and they were an easy thing to do, right? Like you decommission your own exchange server and you go to O365, you go to G Suite, things like that. So, so what happened is 90% of the traffic that used to hit your data center or 80% of your traffic used to hit your data center is now going to a proper SaaS application but if we look at the number of applications we've properly adopted in, in as, as, as a service, right, as a SaaS, well, that's really, you know, that's a top 10 applications that are out there, right, that your, your business is using. Now, this is really like a long tail that I'm talking about because we've moved those to the cloud. We look what's left over in a data center and we still see hundreds of computers standing around and just about everyone has another 700 or so applications that the business relies on that are now sort of sitting out there still, you know, um, you know, uh, on a server. It's a piece of software. You know, most of it virtualized, you know, we've got virtual machines and people, people being good about that. But what I mean by the 80-20 rule is that these other 700 applications, many of which, well, they don't have a proper SaaS equivalent. And so well, what do you do? I said, well, we want to go to the cloud. So we're going to spin up a VPC infrastructure as a service, right? Virtual machines in the cloud or try to containerize it. Now, what I'm seeing is that that's sort of, you know, 80% of the applications that now don't have a proper SaaS equivalent, you know, are going to take the majority of the time, right? So, so really they're drawing only 20% of your traffic maybe, but that is really where you're going to be spending hours. And that's really what I mean when I'm talking about the 80-20 rule of SaaS versus, versus IIS. So something around 80%-ish, right, of our network traffic going out is really going toward using those 10 
most popular SaaS applications? Again, round numbers. Is that is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, I, just, I mean, of course, we're right. you know the, the numbers are different for every oh no for every company, that. right? Like it's, mm-hmm. but I, I think there, Phil, sort of um, the way to think about this is that you know they were the logical first ones to move, right? They are the mm-hmm. the um, the the clean ones to do the easy ones, and then. You know, there is a whole bunch more. And this is sort of signified that the cloud is not this this idyllic thing that's really easy and everything is just going to become easy. But, yeah, I mean, moving my Exchange server, you know, to and using G Suite, that's an easy move. But then going mm-hmm. and saying, okay, you know, I have, um, I have a marketing department. That marketing department relies on a number of tools that they, that they really like. And those tools will some may have a different, you know, vendor that sells a similar tool that is available in SaaS. So business is gone and they make the decision of, look, we're going to be a SaaS business. We're going to be a cloud business, cloud first business. And say, okay, the tool you really like to use in marketing or in engineering, manufacturing, the tool you really like to use in legal. Well, we don't want you to use that tool anymore. Go find a SaaS equivalent. But all our data is in this tool. Yeah, but we're a SaaS first company. So, go, you know, and so that argument typically plays out in are we willing to incur that um, that cost, that that uh, productivity um, drop for that migration? The answer more often than not is no. And that's why we end up with traditional data centers with with I said 700, but say it's 400, say it's a thousand applications that are not easily SaaS migratable, which is why they end up in a VPC. And only about 20% of our traffic is even headed there in the first place, but they consume the, the vast majority of our time and resources. So those legacy apps, it's this is not a clean solution. Uh, not not as not as much as um, you know, some of the some of the vendors out there would lead us to believe, right? Yeah, and I think sort of the you know, one yeah, you know, one thing I keep on hearing is that. Well, we have this pandemic now, and that's why this is this happening, right? This is uh, everybody's working from home. It, you know, in the end, this has been a trend that's been happening, right? This has been happening for a very long time, and people have been struggling with it. Now, I get it. Work from home has accelerated that, um, you know, which means that you know traditional WAN traffic from the enterprise has basically dropped to zero because. There's nobody sitting in the office anymore. And now that we are looking at a data center that is co-located with an office, it's okay, we're going to VPN into that um, uh, data center. Does that still make sense? Okay, we might as well accelerate that um, to rented servers or rented virtual machines at the same time. But I wouldn't want to go as far as to say that that is um, that that trend is anything new, right? This has been happening. And I think people have been, been thinking about it, been struggling, like, is it actually worth the move, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, here's a here's another thing I noticed, by the way, Phil, that 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 I want you to think about, right? When we all started working from home, not exactly about one year ago for for me, I very much remember. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. It's like you know, I, um, I think the yeah. last trip I took was RSA, and, and uh, I got back from San Francisco. I landed in Boston. I think that was the last day of February. That was it. I like I haven't seen the inside of the airplane ever since. But notice how we all yep. hopped on Zoom and we all started working from home, um, and the internet didn't skip a beat. Did you notice that? Like, I mean, yeah, everybody was yep. expecting like pandemonium. The internet can't bear that. You know, this is gonna be crazy. Yeah, like, nothing. It was just 
<laughs> so yeah. 2020 didn't uh, didn't bring this as a new phenomenon. You're saying that the trend was already there. We were already trending in this direction, migrating. And, and we already saw that. All of us saw that. I don't think that's – yeah, we all agree. Yeah. But 2020 certainly accelerated that process, right? What would you say then um, – I mean, how can we identify the difference between SaaS applications? You mentioned, you know, Office 365. You mentioned Zoom, right? Some other ones. I think you even mentioned Salesforce. But then infrastructure as a service, which I still don't know how to pronounce IaaS, by the way. We say SaaS and PaaS, <laughs> but I don't know. What is it? IaaS? I, I, don't I try know. too much infrastructure as a service. before you misspeak. Okay. <laughs> Well, you know, That's one sad. is one is uh, talking about uh, something that you purchase as a service from Microsoft or Salesforce or whoever, and the other one is just VMs and disks and stuff that you're managing out in Azure or AWS. Those are very different things, aren't they? Yeah. So let me let me let me give you the example. I mean, and I, I've got probably dozens of these, but but you know the the specialized applications that businesses and enterprises rely on, and the the examples are myriad, right? Um, for example, you are uh, a, a, a bank, right? Like a, you're an investment banker. You you trade uh, securities, right? Now we've we've had a bit of a bump uh, with those guys when when all those mortgages started going bad. So what did the regulators do? They said, look, we need you to prove to us all the time that you're not too heavily leveraged. That your risk models actually show that you've got more than enough cash on hand to to take a reasonable amount of downfall. Okay, so these became very specialized formulas. So what did what did companies do? They wrote software, right? The guys that write the software at that time probably not even cloud software. These 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 you know Monte Carlo simulations uh, were delivered. The banks started using them um, to an enormous degree. But the issue is that. Those businesses probably either, you know, they either exited or they started focusing, you know, their attention elsewhere. You know, maybe updates were right. You know, point being is that that package is running successfully in the uh, in the data center right now for the bank, and it's probably using quite a bit of, mm-hmm. um, sure. you know, resources, quite a bit of of CPU and memory. So okay, so now here you got this point. It's like, well, you know, the application is needed. If I don't, if I'm not running this application, you know, I can't trade on Monday. The regulator won't, you know. So how do I move that to how do I move that to the cloud, right? Like I don't have a SaaS equivalent; doesn't exist. I rely on this application. My people use it. It's plugged into my my data streams. Um, you know, the risk models are already programmed in. It's much easier to lift mm-hmm. and shift. And at this point, the only thing that's left for us is infrastructure as a service, meaning much more of a traditional network. That um, except then with rented virtual machines as opposed to you owning those things, right? Right, exactly. Um, and that just makes yep. sense. But but you'd be surprised, Phil, how many applications are just like that. I just picked on the financial services regulatory part of the industry, but this happens in any business. There are specialized pieces of software. How do you schedule containers onto a container ship? Okay, I could write a computer program for that. Okay, let's write computer program. So now what happens? So. So as I'm talking, right, like, in, and you're starting to see this, is that every industry has tons of those specialized applications for which no easy SaaS equivalent exists. If it does, sometimes companies can't easily move to it. Um, and for that, you know, the virtual network is the easier way to go. Okay. So what is the difference then in terms of, you know, like the new problems that we're facing now when we have uh, the vast majority of our traffic heading to uh, whether it's SaaS or, or infrastructure as a service, right? 
Um, what are the problems that we're seeing today that we weren't seeing yesterday? Not yesterday, two years ago. You know what I mean? Before before we saw this 80-20 rule uh, as you see it now, and it was flipped the other way. So, so specifically, you're asking me what the differences are between accessing SaaS applications and performance issues uh, or, or usability issues with SaaS applications versus after I've moved to a virtual environment that is in somebody else's computer, right? Because that's really what the cloud is, somebody else's computer. So I think that's what you're asking me. Yeah. What What are we dealing with now that we weren't dealing with a few years ago um, in terms of visibility, control, uh, maybe security? Yeah. So, um, that, okay. So that goes, that goes very deep into into the visibility story. But let me let me sort of pick the two apart, right? SaaS and infrastructure mm-hmm. are very, very different animals in terms of monitoring for visibility and security purposes. Like, you know, I've, I've already told you the story that Absolutely. I sure. 100% believe that all good security and all good performance um, monitoring come from the same core of visibility, getting good visibility um, on that. Now, Infrastructure as a service is a lot more like your traditional data center in that there is a network, there are hosts and virtual machines running around. Traffic can be monitored in almost similar ways, although it's slightly harder because you don't have access to the top of rack switch, right? Essentially, that's all virtualized now. So, but we can monitor. Right. But it's the same underlying technology to monitor and collect yeah, flows. Yeah, packets or are generally doing, right? available to, okay. in some way. Uh, flows are generally available in some way. Agents can run on those virtual machines to capture specific timings and or um, uh, uh, you know, monitor for logs or events. Right. So in that regard, um, it's not 100% the same, but the same concepts applies. For SaaS, especially SaaS that's being accessed, like all of us are doing right now, with an iPad from home, it's a different ball game. It's a different ball game in terms of security, and it's a different ball game in terms of performance monitoring, right? And we see myriad of those, right? We see so many of these stories happening and playing out all the time because why? This is the inverted network. We don't own a network, right? Because you're getting on from home, your ISP takes you straight to the cloud, You the corporate environment rarely sees the traffic. Yeah, you can backhaul Mm -hmm. through a VPN, but that has its own uh, performance implications as well. Right. Um, And it gets to the SaaS provider. You have no idea. I mean, the the enterprise doesn't see that neither. And those are two. Right. And so then you start getting into good synthetic path testing. How how good is it? Uh, Application performance testing through synthetic application testing, which is different than path testing, right? And so we get into a whole different sort of, and it's hard to compare apples to apples. I know that underneath it, it's all still packets flying up and down, but the ways we assess performance Mm -hmm. and security attack surfaces on that um, are very different. Okay, so the attack surfaces, now you're talking, you, you kind of marry visibility and security. You f- seem to, to think that they're in, inexorably linked, in, inextricably linked, inexorably linked, whatever. They're very closely tied together. Uh, and that makes sense. And the blind spots are there by virtue of the fact that it is a different animal. Um, infrastructure as a service requires that we just, you know, kind of leverage the same tools that we always have been, but software as a service does not. And therein lies the problem. Uh, whether that's with performance or compliance and those sorts of things. I, I, I'm reading a lot of this stuff back to you in this podcast today, I know. Um, but that's just because you have the theory and I really want to flesh it out because this is all I, I deal with every single day. 
is how do we get visibility into these things? How do we get visibility into my Office 365, both for performance and now with my controls? You know, IT department's trying to figure out how do we control, whether it's just simple, like who has access to what, data loss prevention when it's things. And also just, you know, you know your random project manager starting to use unapproved software, you know, platforms that are out there in the cloud, you know, and and it's costing the company money and maybe exposing a new attack. Yeah, what you're talking about is the the hybrid visibility. Um, you know, and and yeah. I'll I'll say a few words about that. So what you just you know, in reverse order, what you just touched on is the modern version of shadow IT, because I and mm-hmm, this is exactly. I this is this stuff runs rampant. I mean, it there is no um, there's no end inside for that because right, we can. Um, we can create a uh, a secure VPC. We can force everybody to onboard into that through a VPN, and we can do all kinds of things like that as an enterprise. But you know, we could say, "Hey, look, I really, really want you guys to all use the corporate um, messaging system," and then we discover that uh, you know it's really hard to share files through it, or it's really you know inconvenient to access it from my phone. So it ends up happening, you know. We set up a Slack channel, a WhatsApp channel, right? Like right on our phones and the three of us are communicating and it's working fine because I can share the files. And so what I start doing, I start sharing company sensitive information through a service that's not even sanctioned or seen by the enterprise, right? So Mm -hmm. that's a, that's a huge visibility gap right there. Um, You know, some of that can be detected. Um, enforcement of that is much harder, especially because the entire world has moved to bring your own device. And not only that, right? Bring your own device is not like something that needs to be squashed. I think it needs needs to be embraced, right? People have preferences, but think about it in a in a different different sort of way, right? Like, imagine Phil, you call the uh, the plumber, right? Like your pipes froze, you call the plumber. Your your you you know the plumber van uh, pulls up in your driveway. Plumber comes out and says, all right, I'm here to fix those pipes for you. Where's the tools? You think, well, hang on a second. You're the plumber. (laughs) What do you mean, where's the tools? Well, I need some tool to cut this pipe and Mm -hmm. solder this pipe. You're like, okay, you're the plumber here. You bring the tools, right? And that's that's really where where we're starting to arrive. Barring a few specialized use cases, um, you know, most business workers, notch workers, um, you know, um, use one device in with which they do their office applications, their email, they access their specialized applications through a browser. Right? Devices are owned by the people based on the preferences they have and how much they travel and they carry around and their cell phones, et cetera. So, yeah. you know, so that's yeah. that. The, the other thing you talked about there, Phil, which I want to double click on again, is um, you know visibility in a hybrid world and why this is so important. Okay. Because mm-hmm. essentially we've made the problem much harder for ourselves, right? Because what we've done is now we don't just have a perimeter in which we have a bunch of workstations and a data center. What we have created is we've created everybody's everybody. You know, everybody's out there. Um, devices are everywhere. Um, we've got on-prem resources. We've got on-prem workstations. We probably have a data center still. And then we've got a whole bunch of cloud resources. We've got... SaaS resources, we probably got multi-cloud, right? Like meaning uh, VPCs in different clouds, mm-hmm. and all of it. It's not apples and oranges when you right, compare right. that. So, so when it comes to visibility, right? My, um, uh, you know, for starters, visibility before you make that migration to the cloud, because you're gonna need to know what's gonna break the moment you pick up and and try to 
lift and shift, right? So visibility is a key component mm -hmm. on even figuring out what can move to the cloud and what the dependencies are and what will break. And you can look at that from a flow perspective, you can log perspective, you can look at it from a configuration file perspective, you probably should look at it from all perspectives. And that gets me to my second soapbox. And I promise I will be off of it after that. My second soapbox is visibility angles, right? So, so often do I walk into a situation and say, okay, we got visibility covered because we've got logs or we've got visibility covered because we're looking at flows. And then you really start digging in. It's like, it's the angles thing, right? When you, uh, let's take another example. When you, uh, the battle space commander, right? Like, I don't know anything about the military, but um, I'm going to pretend I do. Um, say we're, we're, you know, Phil, you and I were, we're deeply concerned with the Canadian border that we're both close to, right? Like, just imagine. So we're going to need to defend ourselves there. What we're going to do is we're going to um, we're going to set up the battle tank, and that's um, that's it. They'll be scared. Well, that that's going to work like the first three days, and then you know when you figure out that nobody's watching, right? So so when it comes to visibility, right? Like troubleshooting is about angles, right? Like the troubleshooting is about, you know, you use uh, binoculars and infrared and radar and you, you use a drone overhead, right? Like, you know, when, you, when you're sick, you go to the doctor, there's x-rays, there's MRIs, there's stethoscopes, there's ultrasounds, there's all these different imaging technologies for one and the same object. And the same thing applies the hybrid visibility. But they're all just packets, you're telling me. And if 80% of our traffic is going to the same 10 SaaS applications, are they really all that different? Where we need to have this uh, divergence of, of uh, visibility methods? Well, so the, the key here is, um, and let, let me put the word visibility um, to, to rest okay. here for you. The product we're selling or the product people are buying is not visibility. What people are buying is root cause analysis. Right? All right. That you don't care sense. about visibility. If everything's fine, I don't need to yeah, look yeah, at that it. That makes sense. Right? When, I, when, when it isn't fine, I need to be able to analyze mm -hmm. it. I need to be able to figure out why it isn't fine so that I can make it fine again. And in terms of, of when I say root cause analysis, what, you know, what I mean there is, you know, how angles, if you will, play into that. Solving different problems take different perspectives on the problem. Looking at packets and packet timing, well, that's one great way to do it. But if you're trying to, for instance, figure out what your dependencies are on services you're trying to move to um, uh, lift and shift to the cloud, you're going to need to know the dependencies. You know, what is it? Okay, well, this service only depends on a DNS server. Okay, that one's easy. Oh, this server, this service depends on a backend database. A backend database, ah, that's a bummer because we had one big Oracle deployment and we put a whole bunch of applications on that same Oracle to save money. So now that means the dependency sort of grows and we have to move the entire thing. You know. yeah. And what does that do when latencies go, mm -hmm. go up, mm -hmm. right? So, so visibility is really not the word. The word that I want you to think about is, is, is root cause analysis. Mm -hmm. And for root cause analysis, you need to go deep. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to go back to something that you said earlier. Uh, and I, I want to go back to the security conversation that, that you were having a little bit ago with Phil. And you were talking about that shadow IT stuff. And I, I know this kind of throws a wrench into what we were talking about here. But you, you, made, you, were, you were talking about uh, you know, we create Slack channels and we, 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 uh, you know, sign up for these other services, but 
we don't do that when it's our own organization, right? I mean, we all have Slack here. We all work for Riverbed here. And so we're not going to go sign up for another service to be able to chat with one another, right? It's going to be, people do that when they're trying to ease communication with people outside of your organization, right? So, I don't know if that's necessarily too, too Yeah, I don't think Brandon. so either, Brandon. You know, no? not my experience. Well, I mean, th- I use the project manager example from earlier or a little bit earlier because that was something I experienced where we had some PMs in an organization I worked for that uh, they didn't care for our particular project management software, whatever they were using. And so they just used whatever SaaS application and they would pay for it and expense it and things like that. And it turned into yeah. a big thing where the company had to clamp down saying, we don't have control of that data that's going there. We also can't give you any yeah. kind of semblance of, of uh, uh, you know, assurance rather uh, of, yeah. of performance. You know, you're saying, oh, I got a $10 million project uh, that I'm working on. And, and then, of course, you know, we, have, we don't have control over, I, I think I mentioned already, the, you know, the data loss, you know, who's, who's accessing this information and... Um, uh, and that was just internal people. So, yeah. Okay, I get that. Yeah, I I mean, I can't say I'm not not guilty of that in the past, right? And, uh, <laughs> oh, I didn't say I haven't done that like, in my life. I, mean, I think it's something wink, that wink. we do. When it comes to the tools, if the tools that you're provided aren't adequate, then yeah, I understand that. But I I can say like if you're sharing files outside the organization with people, it's probably because they don't have access to your mm-hmm. organization's method. Like they can't get to your SharePoint files. So yeah. you find another way to share things with them. And therein we have, uh, you know, we had VM sprawl, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, for a while, we talked about that. And now we have SaaS sprawl, where right. you have this uncontrollable growth of, of SaaS applications in every corner of the network. Um, yeah. And they're all, and a lot of them are just one-offs, you know? So that maybe that's a culture thing and, you know, but, you know, I'm going to use the term visibility anyway. Sorry, Vince. Yeah. You, you know, we still need the visibility to say what's going on on the network. But I mean, I don't know. Part of me says that that's just collecting packets and seeing, oh, that's going to this software that weren't that's not sanctioned. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I guess, I guess the reason that I was asking to go back to that or the reason I brought that up is just thinking about you know, going into all this visibility and the root cause analysis, uh, I'm I'm just I'm just wondering if it's more difficult when we're talking about doing this for our internal apps and our internal users that are that are you know when we're moving apps or we're working with our own apps or even when it comes to the shadow IT apps and getting visibility and and solving problems there versus when it's communication with somebody who's external. Because, I mean, data breaches are a huge thing. So, I mean, how does all of this play into protecting us from a data breach and the visibility that we need when it comes to that? So, yeah. it's just it's something that's too, on my just, mind. Absolutely. Yeah. It's more than just breach, which obviously is very important, but there's regulatory bodies that we're beholden to, you know, and, mm-hmm. uh, and things like that. So, it, it's a little bit more complex than uh, just being able to... Uh, you know, get a get a report on a dashboard to say, oh, you know, two percent of traffic went to Zoom and seven percent of traffic went here. We really need to be able to dig in deeper than that. Ah, and there goes the root cause analysis for you, Vince. Well, is it, I think that the funny thing, the the word you use that is really important here is is depth. I'll tell you why. Right. So um, when you look at when you look at people troubleshooting network issues, the problems that we we see are extremely diverse, right? There's no, you know, this is the, the things we like to say is like, oh, it's packet drops. That's why the application, oh, the latency, that's why. The, but when you look at it, that's generally um, 
a symptom of the actual root cause, which is why it's really complicated, right? Like, it's why why depth of analysis um, is usually the only way. And so, you know, as we're moving to new telemetry sources and hybrid visibility sources, um, making sure that that depth is available. Because, you know, I'll give you an example. This actually, um, this example is actually is actually nice because. It, it blends um, the cyber use case um, with the um, with the performance use case. Because in the end, when you're trying to troubleshoot why it's not working well, you don't really care whether it's not working well because um, this system is busy, the network link is saturated, or whether um, it's not working well because somebody's stealing all your data, right? Like, you know, you, you can't simply say like, oh, I'm only interested in performance. So, you know, when a security event is happening, I don't care. Like, you know, I just, you know, don't want to know about that root cause, right? Root cause analysis by its very nature completely blends visit, uh, performance and, and security reasons, right? And so, so, so why, and this is, by the way, also the reason it's really hard to train a neural network to do a lot of this work for you. They can recognize patterns, but the diversity of ways in which networks can break is extremely broad. So, so, um, so, what do you typically get? Well, it's not working. I can't get through my files. I can't get through my files fast enough. It takes a really long time. You know, the application won't open. I'm sitting there in a little wheel spins. And whenever my coworkers make an edit, I cannot see it. Right? The list goes on and on. So you go, okay. What do you want to see? Like, what do you what do you do? It's like, okay, you go you go take a look. Where is the individual working from? Right? Is the problem? Um, uh, is the problem related to the local system, right? For instance, uh, a hacker got in and is is running is running a Bitcoin miner, Monero miner, right? All the CPU cycles are used. Well, that would do it. Um, or is there something else happening? I, I hop onto my Caspi, but my Caspi's pop is onboarding in Singapore. So consequence of it is that my uh, my traffic is traveling around the world twice before it hits. You know, oh, there's your latency problem. So, yeah, right, you know, right. To simply be like um, visibility, you know, um, is, um, you know, visibility is, it's about that depth, like the number of different ways in which it can go wrong or the number of different explanations and why it's not performant um, are uh, infinite, if you will, right? There's an infinite number of ways in which that, in which things can go wrong, which is why, Mm -hmm. Really, visibility is at the core of that root cause analysis, and that's really the point I was trying to make, Phil. So I, ho- I hope that makes makes you know closes it out for you and it comes full circle. Yeah, yeah, it does absolutely, and all of it um, uh, brought on by the fact that the vast majority of our traffic now is going to this new destination or destination small group of destinations, uh, and it fits neatly right into that eighty twenty rule for sure. All right, well. That's pretty much all the time we have for today. I mean, it was a lively discussion, and I know that there's probably a lot more that we can talk about. But you know what, uh, Vince? Thanks for letting us pick that CTO brain of yours, <laughs> and uh, you know we uh, we appreciate that. And uh, you know we'll have more discussions like this as as time goes by. And of course, we'll be back next time with more network and application performance and visibility and security discussions. Uh, But until then, Phil, where can people find you online? Well, you can find me on Twitter, network underscore Phil. And you can find me on LinkedIn and my website, networkphil.com. All right. And Vince, how about you? Where can people find you? I'd like to stay hidden.
<laughs> security through obscurity. Security through obscurity. Yeah, find me on LinkedIn uh, and, uh, and and as Twitter as well. So, all right, and you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Brandon Carroll uh, on LinkedIn, and of course on the Riverbed Community at community.riverbed.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next time. <laughs>